Robbie Burns. And I'm Craig McClellan, and this is the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. Robbie, I have a confession. Uh, Lay it on me. I was trying to come up with a good song lyric. I couldn't, like, I trapped in the closet, but no, that's not, um, that's, okay. (laughs) This is getting off to a great start. (laughs) Isn't it? Um, Yeah. So we mentioned last week that when last week's episode aired, it would be my first day of school with students. That day has not come yet. We are recording several in advance uh, while it's still summertime for me so that when the insanity that all teachers know exists during the first few weeks of school, when that insanity happens, I'm not also juggling a podcast. So we're still we're, we're doing like we did when you were in Hawaii and we were recording. We've recorded like the last few episodes in the last week. So we're a little out of out of sync with time and things might, who knows if we make reference to that throughout the podcast. But just so our listeners know, I have not started school yet. And so when I talk about upcoming, don't be surprised. But we know you're all waiting on the edge of your seats to hear how my first day of school went. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. Yeah, well, I uh, I go back in like 36 hours. I will be back in my classroom. Or in meetings, really, is what that will be, um, getting ready to go. So we're almost there. Yeah, and we also have to confess um, that we uh, both are having some trouble with our voices today. I just taught a uh, the first day of five of a summer youth music camp, and I think every teacher knows the feeling. It's been numerous weeks of summer for me, and I had to talk for five periods straight in a row today, and uh, I'm not feeling good. Yeah, and I'm rocking some allergies, which is awesome, right before I start back to work. I really appreciate that happening. So, we we might sound funny. We don't know what day it is, but we're going to we're going to share some good things, I think. I think so too. Yeah, what are we talking about today, Craig? So, I feel like today it, it seems like it's the opposite of what we talked about last week. Last week we focused on going paperless and how we try and eradicate all the paper from our lives as teachers. Unfortunately, in this profession, that's not possible at all. We have to deal with paper, whether it's worksheets or um, math tasks or letters home to parents or concert programs for you. We create paper a lot. And so we want to talk about tools that we use to create those things and make them look really nice and professional. Yeah, I agree. I mean, sometimes we just have to make paper, unless, of course, I mean, you don't have an iPad hanging on every part of your wall where you hang a poster or a document, do you? I I wish. That would be... No, I don't. That would be a lot of iPads to manage. Um, I do not. Because that would be the ideal dream. Then we could just basically repeat last week's episode. Everything starts and ends on a computer, and uh, I don't have that kind of money in my program anyway. Yeah, uh, I I don't think many do. So with this need to produce documents, posters, stuff that is physical, that is student-facing or involves communicating to parents or to other teachers in the building, uh, anything of that nature, um, there are plenty of tools that you have probably already used to make these. Um, 
But we want to talk about some tools that we really like, especially some tools that are specific to iOS and the Mac that we really feel like sort of embrace this uh, attitude of what I think all Apple products, at least all Apple software, well, and hardware too, has been about for a really long time now, which is just holding design to a really, really high standard. And the apps we're going to talk about today not only are themselves designed with a high standard where they're really easy to grasp intuitively, but they also have tools nested inside of them that will propel you and empower you as a teacher to make better design things yourselves. Uh, So everything we're talking about today is going to focus on creating not just documents, posters, letters to send home, but how to create ones that have real personality and style. Uh, And this stuff matters. You know, coming from the band side of things, music teachers are often finding ourselves in a position of advocating for our programs. You know, we're always trying to reach out to students to encourage them to join our bands and our orchestras and our choirs and We're always creating concert programs and public-facing pamphlets that give information about our program. We're always trying to pump ourselves up. And coming from this perspective, I've learned a lot from a lot of the software we're going to talk about today about how to really make my stuff stand out above the rest. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and dive right in. The first apps that we're going to cover are Apple's iWork apps. And I feel like, at least in the Apple tech commentary committee i work kind of gets a bad rap everybody loves keynote and i know you're going to talk about keynote here in a little bit but pages and numbers compared to word and excel or google docs and sheets they can get a bad rap but really this topic that we're talking about today is really where apple's iwork apps shine so the first thing i'm going to talk about is pages and a lot of people compare pages to microsoft word And think of it as a competitor to that. And while it is in a way, I think of it more as the Microsoft publisher of Apple systems. So it's really easy to make uh, great posters and um, concert programs and letters home, newsletters, um, sign-up sheets, all because of the really easy uh, drag-and-drop formatting, um, the included shapes and tools, the uh, Apple Pencil support. All these things make it really easy to not only create things from scratch yourself, but it comes with a lot of templates that are easy to edit and manipulate and make your own. Um, Just some examples of things that I've done. Um, I've made a blank brochure in my classroom that students had to fill out about a topic like they were visiting a museum and sharing and use that as an assessment of what students learned about a topic. So let's say they were learning about the solar system, how the earth rotates and revolves around the sun and how that impacts our seasons. I would put like specific questions or writing prompts, uh, sentence starters as the beginning of a section of the brochure and have the students finish writing a sentence or two and draw a picture. Um, and all of that was super easy to make. There are brochure templates in pages that I just took and edited myself. I've done um, posters for outside my classroom that just say my name and things like that. I've done sign-up sheets for uh, parent-teacher conferences and things like that. Um, all of these are really, really just quick and easy inside of pages. And it can be really powerful and have a ton of features, or if you just need something simple, you can do that too. So I, I 
when I need to make something and want it to look nice, most days, Pages is the first thing I'll open. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Pages tends to start for me in some of my more text-based documents that need to be spruced up a little bit. Uh, For example, our band program has some student rosters that we have hanging out in the hallway, and those are pretty simple text documents, but we also have our logo on those and uh, a couple of other structural and organizational graphics that are just so much more easy to manipulate in pages than any other of the other, you know, quote, word processors out there. Now, of course, I've designed posters and pamphlets in pages, things that get sent home to parents who are um, of our incoming sixth graders just to kind of tell them about band and music and what our classes are and uh, what are some of our after-school opportunities. So it, it really is very graphically powerful. One of the other strengths of pages, uh, which I think it excels over some of the other apps we'll talk about in this episode, I think pages is really, really similar on Mac and iOS. Absolutely. I don't feel like I'm using a drastically different piece of software on both. And that makes, especially when you keep your files, all of your projects in iCloud, it makes sharing projects between multiple devices just as simple as lifting up whichever one is closest to you. And it's something I appreciate as an iOS user that it's just as powerful on iOS as it is on the Mac. I don't feel like I'm missing out on much, if at all, by being an iOS user. Now, some might create an argument that Microsoft Word is a better option. I, I kind of we were kind of bouncing back before the show some ideas. We were I wouldn't say we were debating necessarily, but I mean some might argue that Office, in particular, Microsoft Word has better integration with OneDrive or Dropbox, uh, or maybe that because most schools, most uh, teachers at schools are using Microsoft Office, that maybe it's better to hang out in that application for purposes of sharing documents with other people. What do you think about that? If you are working with other teachers who are going to be editing documents, I can I can see that argument. But if, um, let's say, Robbie, that you're making the program for a band concert and you need just need kind of final approval on it from uh, the other band teacher at your school or something like that, then I would just export from Pages as a PDF and let them look at it and make any suggestions and change it that way because it's going to be much easier for you to work in Pages. But if if you're working with people who don't have access to Pages and you actually need to collaborate and both edit the same document, then Microsoft Word might be a better choice. Now, my music team, when we do that part of our process, we actually print out copies and write on them with real pens gasp oh my goodness (laughs) but hey i think you need i think you need to uh quit this podcast right now you've lost your nerd your nerd credit hey though you know what i'm also fortunate that all four members of our music team use pages okay all right you win yeah it's not bad so uh a lot of people have found success making graphical documents in keynote even powerpoint um the shape tools maybe this is more true of microsoft office than it is of the iWork suite i i think that because of how inscrutable the toolbar is in microsoft office at least on the pc and windows i'm sorry at least in the mac pc windows kind of space you know it's, it's very complex i think some of the shape tools are a little more accessible for powerpoint um 
some people feel the same way about Keynote, just out of comfort and familiarity. Uh, I've seen people make stuff in a presenting app. But in my opinion, I actually think that the shape tools and the insert media tools, the text boxes, the charts, the graphs, a lot of those, you know, these buttons that you see in the toolbar, if you're using one of these apps on the Mac, a lot of these features are actually really similar in all three of the iWorks apps. Do you agree? It definitely is easy to move back and forth between the iWork apps. If you're familiar with one, you're familiar with another, which isn't always the case with Microsoft products. I think what I'm saying is that inserting tables and text boxes and working with shapes is more or less the same user interface across all three apps. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to respond to. I don't know if I did it super well. Yeah, well, I think it's a strength for sure. Now, what about the Apple Pencil? Um, there was a time where Apple Pencil was available for the Microsoft Office apps on iPad, but not for the iWorks apps on iPad. Now, you use your iOS devices a little bit more in depth than I do. Do you use the Apple Pencil on iWorks stuff? I am starting to. Um, I have started. I, I have never been artistically inclined. Um in terms of drawing and things like that. My wife is great. I have other family members who are, but I have never been great at that, but I've actually started enjoying trying to learn to draw on my iPad pro. And and there's another app that I'm going to talk about a little later where I've done that. So as I have been assembling stuff for my classroom for this new school year and designing some posters and things, I have attempted to do some drawing. It hasn't always gone super well, but it, I think the tools that are there and given to you are are really pretty great. And I think if I played with them more, I would enjoy doing that. But um and I know there are some just cool editing tools to help you edit your text, but I don't write in pages very much, so um that's not really an option for me. But it, I I'm pleased with Apple's implementation and excited about digging deeper into it. Yeah, I I'll admit I do think that drawing on a document is a, f- a little bit more intuitive on the iPad, micro- the Microsoft Office iPad apps. Um, of course, the I think the iWork feature is still in beta, right? Technically, the the editing is not the necessarily drawing a, a diagram feature, right? Um, none, you know, all of that is to say uh, the ability to just pick up something as tactile as a pencil and scribble right on a document is one of the one of the ways that the iPad is just flat out superior. Come on, come on over to the dark side, iOS only. <laughs> uh, we'll see about that. So if someone wants to have a little bit more power over how they organize charts, graphs, just any kind of visual diagram, are there any apps you can think of that they might turn towards? Yeah, so an app that I have used... Actually, a fair amount in my classroom is called OmniGraffle, and it's by the Omni Group, the same people that make uh, Omni Outliner, which we mentioned in our lesson planning episode, OmniFocus, which you use for task management. They're really respected in the Apple community as developers of great software. And OmniGraffle is, I would say, at at its core, a diagram-making tool. So... Uh, if you need to make a flow chart as an illustration for something in your students, uh, maybe let's say you don't like any of the water cycle posters that you find in a store or online. You can really quickly and easily 
make a diagram that has pictures in it. You can drag pictures in from uh, Safari and then connect the pieces really easily. So you can draw it arrows and the way that it works, if you need to move any of the items on there, if they're connected via an arrow or anything like that, then all those arrows move. And so um, I've used it to make uh, graphic organizers, um, maybe double bubble maps. For those of you who are in elementary education, you know what those are, um, that look really, really nice, but they only took me maybe three minutes to do. And I can use those even as templates and keep printing them out with different material on them. So I have used it <laughs> as I moved to my new classroom this year, I went around and measured using um, an AR kit measuring app. And I measured every corner and inch of my classroom. And then I drew a diagram of my classroom in OmniGraffle to help me lay out student desks and where I wanted my desk and things like that. And that is probably a bit extreme, but um, it's definitely something you can do really easily. OmniGraffle made that so easy for me to do. So um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's um, it's definitely a power user app and there are two different versions. There's regular and then there's pro and I just use the regular. I do wish there there's some JavaScript automation that you can do in pro that I wouldn't mind having. But for me, that's the only feature and it's not worth it for me to pay the extra. So, um, Robbie, do you use OmniGraffle at all or how have you used it in the past? I do. Yeah. A lot of the similar ways that you just mentioned. I like it for logo design, but also graphic organizers, diagrams, classroom seating charts are just so awesome because of the way that OmniGraffle is built towards diagramming, uh, connecting text and shapes and lines together is so intuitive like it's it's one of the few apps where when i create a square shape and just start typing on the keyboard it instantly just starts filling the shape i've made with text and then that text automatically hugs and sticks to that shape no matter where i move it no matter which amount degrees i turn it and it's really awesome you know i mean most other apps like if you were doing this in keynote or something you'd have to be fiddling with like grouping different text boxes with different shapes and things and and I just find it to be a, to have a really nice workflow. Now, I am admittedly not a power user with it. I keep things pretty simple. Um, the only way that I really fuss with things is when I am making my seating charts. You can do a lot in the inspector to kind of like play with exactly how text fills out and sticks to the shape. Like if I flip a square with a person's name in it, this amount degrees. At which point does the name of the person invert so that it's no longer upside down stuff like that which is pretty powerful now i've actually uh, if you don't mind me moving on i i'd love to talk about a few apps that omnigraffle has come to replace for me but that still i think are worth mentioning please so omnigraffle one of the main appeals to me is that for years i was using the adobe creative suite um the uh, the app Adobe Illustrator was where I was making a lot of these kinds of things until finally I just got fed up with the fact that Adobe does not make proper apps for iPad. Now, I have heard rumors that a full version of Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator are in the works for the iPad. But until that happens, I needed something that was a vector-based drawing tool, which OmniGraffle is, and something where I could take a an image that I had created and blow it up to any size without seeing pixels 
And uh, that was also cross-platform. That could sync my projects between iOS and the Mac. And that's kind of where OmniGraffle started to fill that role. Now, it is worth mentioning that the Adobe apps, if you can stomach the cost and you have another purpose for them, are really, really useful. In particular, like I said, Adobe Illustrator has received a lot of love in my teaching career, but I only own it because my wife does some graphic design work with it and we share the account. Now, if you're looking for something that can fulfill this role for you and you have a stronger background in Illustrator, I would really love to recommend a very, very new app that just came out with an an iOS version it's almost exactly like its Mac counterpart, and that is Affinity Designer. And I don't have a ton to say about it. I've only played with it for just about an hour or two, um, but I was doing some work on some blog posts, and I needed to take some images from a Google image search and kind of just like trim them up and adjust the dimensions and play with the color. And I found, for as complex as Affinity Designer is, I found it to be fairly easy to wrap my head around. It's definitely a learning curve, and it has a very different user interface than anything else on iOS. But if you're the kind of person like us who you're trying to have a workflow that's in sync between your different devices, I will say that the Affinity apps are pretty much exactly the same to use on iOS as they are on the Mac. Oh, and I'll say the other Affinity app that I'm referring to when I keep using the plural is Affinity Photo, which, Craig, if, do you, have you used Affinity Designer? Before I move on, I wanted to ask. I have not actually. I, that's just not my my world. So I I've not really looked into those. But as I'm putting them in the show notes, I may have to now that I'm looking at them. I think Affinity Designer is it still on sale for like thirteen or fourteen bucks? Yeah, and I just looked. Affinity Photo is as well. Maybe just as a launch promo for Designer. It could be. I mean, Affinity Photo is kind of like their Photoshop competitor, and they have been eating Adobe's lunch while Adobe has just been. You know, I mean, if you want Photoshop on the iPad, it's broken up into like three or four different smaller apps that do different things. But Affinity Photo is a very, very fully featured photo editing app. And, you know, you need something like this if you want the content you're producing for your classroom to look great. I mean, we said in the in the opening, like if you're holding yourself to a standard where you want the things that you put in front of your students to be engaging if you want the things that you send home to parents to be professional, and if you want documents that you create, maybe you're doing a, um, maybe you're being observed for the year by an administrator, and you're doing a lot of reflecting and gathering of documents or artifacts. Ooh, I said artifacts on our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went there. Uh, if you're doing this kind of stuff, some of these tools can really help you step up your game. And to me, photos have been a a big part of that. Now, I don't do anything complex. I just need to every now and then, maybe for my band's website, I need to take a photo and maybe I want it to be the background and I'm, it's going to have some text over it. So I just need to take that image of maybe it's from a, an orchestra or a choir performance and it's I'm editing one of those pages for our, for our program. And I just want to basically take that photo and like kind of wash out the color a little bit so that the title of that page can stand out more boldly over it. I need to use an app for photos. Now, Affinity Photo is, again, it's like a pro app. It is for people who have very, very serious photo needs. But if you were looking for something a lot more simple and cheap, Pixelmator is one of my all-time favorite apps for both the Mac and on iOS. Now, there's a Pixelmator Pro that's Mac only, and that's 
Again, that's sort of on the same level as Affinity Photo and Photoshop, but I don't want to talk about that today. I just wanted to mention that if you need to do really simple adjustments to photos, if you want to like, you have a really great picture of your classroom and you want to share it, but there's like, I don't know, maybe there was like a chair in the middle of the room that's making the photo look weird and you want to just quickly like circle that with your Apple Pencil and then have it delete that out of the picture. You know, it, ha- it has these kind of powerful features that occasionally average users need, but you don't need to do anything crazy like batch edit like a watermark onto like a huge library of thousands of photos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I have Pixelmator and have played around with it, but I just am not a photo editor. I'm not a photographer. um, And, uh, but I totally see the value in it. And I love that you're able to do that in the classroom. And I may have to, to try that some more. So sometimes you want to design things. We were talking a little bit earlier about kind of like, hand drawing stuff are there any apps that you're using for that yeah so i mentioned earlier that i have been trying to learn to draw and i've been trying to um maybe learn to sketch note a little bit if you're not familiar with that um and i've tried out this app called linea and it's by the icon factory and it's a really really great sketching app it has layers and different pencil and pen types and for me, as someone who's just starting out, um, it's actually been really, really great. And um, I have even, because I'm such a beginner, I have even drawn some things in Linea. And then if I wanted them in pages for something, I instead of drawing in pages where I'm less familiar, I've actually exported and um, brought them over. So um, it if you're interested in, in drawing, um, I, I can't recommend Linea enough. W- what about you, Robbie? Do you do any, uh, any drawing on your iPad? Yeah, I do. There's actually um, an app that's been around for a really long time called Paper. That's made by the company 53. And uh, Paper has evolved a lot over the years. And I, for, for making really nice stuff and having some tools that sort of like aid your hand if you're not a very controlled drawer it's been one of the staples on ipad for a really really long time it's got things like smart pens where like if you draw a circle it kind of like makes the circle a more solid circle um it's got really really cool gestural based ways to erase like i think you like kind of like spin your take two fingers and you spin them counterclockwise to kind of go through a backwards timeline of every stroke that you've made in the document it just feels really nice for average people to be able to make good stuff. I, I, some of the pen tools even like respond really, really sensitively to speed and pressure from the Apple Pencil. So it kind of gives a little bit of a unique character to your handwriting and to your drawings. Um, I've used that quite a bit for making graphical stuff. Um, I'd say it's definitely worth checking out. I think it's it's actually these days it's got some note taking features as well. You can add media and images into your notes. You can really go a long way with it. Of course, as um, the more I, I think about it, you know, it's it's definitely got a lot of crossover with things like Linea and also some of the handwriting note apps as well. So, as with our notes episode, you know that you can definitely suffer uh, death by a thousand handwritten sketch apps, but uh, it's one of the best. So worth looking into. Awesome. Well, now that we have spent some time talking about making stuff for our classrooms, 
I should probably go finish making some stuff for my classroom. That sounds like a great plan to me. I am going to finish editing two weeks ago's episode. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) We are crushing this timeline thing. Um, Robbie, next week is our last episode of our first semester of this podcast. And then we'll take a little break as both of us start the school year and get things going. But then we will be back a little bit into the school year, maybe around the time of, say, an Apple event, um, where we uh, we learn what um, what goodies they're going to give us this fall. But do you know what, what we're talking about in our final episode? Yeah, in our final episode, we're going to be talking about managing student data. And this is kind of exciting because we're going to just be going all over the place. I'm, I'm looking in our preliminary outline right now, and we're going to be talking about everything from uh, using Airtable, which is like a, a spreadsheet database app, all the way to kind of bringing in some of the stuff we were talking about this episode, things like seating charts and um, how to sort of like, I don't know, it's just going to be cool, man. I've been rethinking how I'm going to manage my student data this year because I'm not teaching all subjects to 20 kids. I'm teaching math and science to 40 different kids. That's going to necessitate some changes in my workflow. So I've been planning that out and uh, I'm not settled yet, but hopefully I will be by the time we record this. And uh, I'm really excited to, uh, to talk about it with you. Well, Craig, I am wishing you a fantastic start to your school year. Thank you, Robbie. And enjoy. You've still got a good month of summer left, I think. I sure do. It's going to be a great few weeks to reflect on the past school year and to look forward to. I mean, you know, I've spent a lot of time traveling this summer, so I think it's time to start getting dirty with some of my workflows for next school year. Awesome. And of course, we're looking forward to talking about all those and more in future episodes. But until then, stay classy. And stay nerdy.